Hi there, it's Ed here with a short message before we start the pod this week. Did you know that our most informed investors get insights, articles and investment ideas from Tom, me and the team sent directly to them via email and it is completely free. You can join them. Just subscribe at fidelity.co.uk slash newsletters. Hello and welcome to the Personal Investor Podcast. I'm Ed Monk. Today on the show, we're talking tax, and in particular, those taxes that affect wealth built up over many decades. Both inheritance tax and capital gains tax are high on the list of concerns of long-term investors, but which should worry them more? That's the focus today. If you enjoy the show, please rate us, share us, or leave a comment wherever you get your podcasts. Taxes on both capital gains and the money passed on after death are high on the list of concerns for many investors. Capital gains tax and inheritance tax both represent threats to long-term savings, but they tend to occupy slightly different places in the public consciousness. IHT is often described as Britain's most hated tax and is the subject of regular campaigns on behalf of the affluent classes who feel targeted by it. Capital gains tax, on the other hand, does not enjoy the same notoriety, perhaps because it's seen as a more straightforward tax on the rich. To discuss whether those preconceptions are justified and which of IHT or CGT is really the biggest threat to your money, I'm joined by Tom Stevenson, Investment Director here at Fidelity. Tom, welcome along. Um, Now, we've been looking here at Fidelity, I've been looking in particular, at some of the data behind these taxes to see where investors' attention should really be when it comes to CGT and IHT. IHT. Um, and we're going to get to some of those findings in our conversation today. But why don't we start with those preconceptions that I outlined there? Why do you think these two taxes are seen so differently? Yeah, I mean, you're right that they are. And I think that inheritance tax uh, is, is quite an emotive tax. Um, uh, understandably, you know, the, it comes after the, the death of a of a loved one. So, yeah. you know, it's not what people want to be thinking about uh, at that point in in their lives i think people also sort of kind of consider it to be a a a double tax you know it's often a tax which is imposed on money which has probably already been taxed out of Mm -hmm. uh income or 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 other gains and also i think you know because it just affects everyone uh i mean it it doesn't affect everyone (laughs) potentially it affects everyone because because you know you know everyone's going to die at some point but um i mean yeah i mean as we'll probably discuss actually the number of people that actually pay uh, IHT uh, is pretty small as a percentage uh, of the population. CGT, um, it is different. Uh, it's, it, you know, it's less less heated. The, re- the response to that, it is viewed as a tax on 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 the rich, uh, or either that, or it's just not considered relevant because you know yeah. most people will not pay capital gains tax, um, so they just think, well, that's that's a rich person's problem. Yeah, indeed. Um- so, well, th- this is the kind of question that, that I wanted to, to answer, or partially answer at least, by looking at some of the data that HMRC produces around taxes. Uh, they will regularly update the receipts that they take from all the taxes levelled um, in the UK. And if you look at that data, you can see that at the last count, and these are always being updated, in fact, I'm just today, I've been looking again at these numbers. They've been updated again. So there's always a sort of movable element to this. But broadly speaking, at the last count, CGT raised two and a half times as much money as IHT. I was slightly surprised by that number because really the conversation is much more active around around IHT. And interestingly, when you compare what's happened over the last 
10, 20 years, you can see that it wasn't so long ago that those two taxes pulled in basically the same amounts of money. Um, I looked at 2012-13, you had CGT raising um, £3.8 billion, and that was versus £3.1 billion for IHT. So a decade ago, they were broadly similar. Now you've got CGT raising um, two and a half times as much. That's £18 billion versus just over £7 billion from IHT. So contrary to what you hear in the commentary around this stuff, it's CGT which is really bringing in more money for the government and it's accelerating the amounts it brings in. Yes, I mean, I, I, I looked at that uh, that same chart where I think you probably got that, that data from and you can see that, you know, for the years running up to about 10 years ago, they, they were broadly pulling in the same amount of money and mm-hmm. then the jaws have widened considerably in the in the 10 years since and 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 cgt is now a pretty significant um money earner for uh for the the, the government and it's kind of soft target isn't it because no one really sheds any tears for no. for the rich you know and i think you know quite a high proportion maybe maybe half of all the cgt that's paid is paid by people um who have a five million pound yeah. liability or you know so it's rich people people who have sold businesses or or whatever Correct. so people just don't don't consider they they consider those to be other uh, other people um but i think it's it is quite important to bear in mind you know when we're discussing this to look at the other side of the of, of the uh, equation here which is that those rich people who pay a lot of cgt are also people who are creating wealth uh creating jobs creating businesses and you know the the the, I think the hesitation about making changes to CGT is that you kill the goose that lays the 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 golden egg um of course that's the argument that rich people make um but it is you know it is a valid argument that you have discouraged people by imposing a heavy burden of capital gains taxes people will set up their businesses elsewhere yeah and I thought it'd be worth spending some time on on exactly how the the government has views these taxes and how it's sort of shifted position uh, on each of them as as time has gone on because that gives you a good indication of of where its sympathies lie if if you see what I mean um so if you take IHT, a lot of attention is paid to the fact that uh, the nil rate ban for, for IHT, that's the amount of money you can pass on in an estate without a IHT applying, that's been frozen famously for, uh, well, since 2009. And I think at, on the, the current plans, it's going to be frozen until 2028 at least. And let's face it, probably frozen beyond that as well. So mm. 20 years, 20 years of it being at the same level. Always gets lots of attention because of this effect of fiscal drag. Assets go up in price, estates are worth more, that limit stays the same. So potentially more and more um, assets are pulled into the scope of IHT. But that is not the whole story, as listeners probably um, uh, are are guessing uh, ahead of me. There's been various changes over the years that mean basically liabilities just not as big as as they could have been. So go back to 2008. Alistair Darling, I'm sure you remember him, um, short-lived Chancellor of the Exchequer, one of the things he did was to allow um, uh, spouses and civil partners to pass on unused nil-rate band between them. So basically, one spouse dies, they don't uh, use their nil-rate bands, and the uh, surviving spouse can double theirs. So you had a significant extra amount that could be passed on. And then, of course, in a sort of phase change, but a change that's been in place in full since 2017, 
um, you've got this extra allowance if you're passing on a primary residence. That's another £175,000 of nil rate band per person. You add all that up, the passing on between spouses and the extra amount for houses, you can get to this million pound figure that people sometimes talk about that you can in fact pass on. So there have been like significant uh, uh, sort of expanding of, of allowances for people to, to pass on IHT, um, which has really put a ceiling on what the government brings in, albeit it is rising and it is rising year on year, but it's not as yeah, high as it could be. And, and, and it's no coincidence, is it, that, that, uh, that you add all of those things up and you get to a million pounds because yep. this is clearly a, a political issue. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, very convenient that you've got this fantastic round uh, number of a million pounds. So no one, you know, no one, no married couple needs to to worry about IHT on the first million pounds of of um, of, of their assets. Yeah. Um, so and I think it's important to, to, to recognize that this is a political uh, issue because that, I think, governs how policy is likely to develop um, over time. Um, and indeed, I think, you know, the government is, you know, there has been speculation that the government is looking at ways to reduce um, IHT or even to abolish it altogether, mm. um, which, you know, clearly would be um, popular um, and, you know, would, would probably be popular amongst the people who are likely to vote for the current government. Yeah, let's indeed. put it that way. Indeed. Um, so, okay. Well, let's look at CGT and the situation there. Um, by the way, we're not going to go over you know chapter and verse the tax system for these taxes. They are complicated. We're going to come on to some of the ways in which they can be mitigated, and that will give an indication of how complicated it can get. But at headline level, um, the situation with CGT is that you have this main annual allowance, an annual exempt amount. Those are the amounts of gains that you can you can make in a year or, or crystallize in a year uh, before CGT applies. Uh, it's been falling and it will fall further in the future. Last year, it was £12,300 that you could make in gains. That's fallen to £6,000 this year and £3,000 from 24-25. That's significant, isn't it, Tom? Because those allowances were useful to people who did have liabilities for CGT in sort of mitigating it and timing their gains um, or the crystallisation of their gains so that they could they could reduce their their liability it was very important um, for certain people in retirement planning for example because they could sell assets up to that level and without having to to, to pay tax so the fact it's shrinking is going to make it harder to mitigate cgt yes it, it is and because i mean that was that was a very useful um uh, allowance because if you then added that to uh existing uh allowances with with ices and and SIPs, yes. for example it was possible with a bit of um careful planning and a bit of advice probably to uh to really mitigate uh, the effects of, of cgt and for many people to, to 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 get rid of the problem at all so i think for many people cgt is not a problem um, so it's either not a problem or it's a very big problem. And, yeah. it's, and, and you know, it, it, you know, for, for, for people who make big capital gains, you know, there aren't, it's quite difficult to, to, to mitigate them, really. It's just, frankly, a hit that you have to take. But and that, of course, is one of the reasons why um, the, the CGT um, rates have been set at a lower rate than, than than the income tax rates because it is quite difficult to to, to avoid it but m a lot of people 
can live with that because mm. they're only paying 20% if they're a higher rate taxpayer or 10% if they're a, if they're a basic rate taxpayer. Uh, I mean, it's complicated, of course, because with property, it's, it's, a, it's a higher rate. So, yes. so your non-primary residence, if you make a capital gain on a property, uh, the, the, the relevant rates are 28% and 20% rather than 20% and, uh, and 10%. Um, and that's interesting, isn't it? Because the, if you compare that to to IHT where they've they've given this extra allowance for a oh sure primary residence so you know passing on wealth in property as long as it's the sort of family home as it were and um, for capital gains there's no capital gains on on your primary residence at all but the second homes is taxed at a higher rate um it's it, it's it's one of the ways in which yeah the 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 government wants to discourage second property home ownership right it, it makes it sort of you, you you might want to sell for a profit, but you're going to have to hand quite a lot over to the tax man. Yes. I, well, the other way of looking at that is it's not so much that they're discouraging second home ownership, but they are um, favouring, um, you know, ordinary people who just living in the house they're, yeah. they're, they're not penalizing you for um for a rising for a rising property market when when it's related to your uh, existing home i think the interesting thing about cgt looking forward actually is um you know we've got an election coming up next year and there is a lot of speculation about what labor's thinking is around um around cgt and they have said you know, slightly, uh, they've, they've sent out slightly mixed messages on this. And, and and indeed, I think it's probably fair to say that there is some debate at the top of the Labour Party about what the right approach should be mm. uh, to CGT, because it is a contentious uh, issue. And, and, and what's at stake there is that they could equalise it with income. And, and that's, a non, that's almost an ideological debate, isn't it? In fact, there was um, some research or some commentary this week saying that, you know, taxes on unearned income much much lower than the tax on on people actually going out and having a job and earning yeah. and paying income tax yeah. and it's very easy to construct an argument and it's perhaps a fair one that that is 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 unfair for the people that don't have lots and lots and lots of assets because they've got to go and earn their money and they get taxed at a higher rate on it yeah and and you know periodically we get these we get these lurid tales of you know rich private equity managers paying less tax than their cleaners yeah. you know and, and so, so it is a it is a highly uh, contentious and and political issue but we shall see next year yeah and and just finally before we end the conversation uh, tom um some of the, the broad ways that you can mitigate these taxes because we we can't do chapter and verse we're not the experts but also the tax code is very complicated and there are professionals that can help you if you have issues around these taxes but for iht there are in fact some really really big allowances we've, we've spoken about the the, the broad uh, nil rate band allowances but um spouses can give money between each other uh, they can pass that on with no iht applying you can give any amount you wish and no iht applies as long as you then survive for seven years the seven-year rule, that's called. Um, but also a, a sort of myriad of uh, other gifts you can give. You can give up to £3,000 of your money away, no problem. That will fall outside your estate for IHT purposes. You can give smaller gifts for specific purposes. There are wedding allowances, for example. And um, one that doesn't get much coverage but is potentially very uh, valuable is gifts out of your regular income. As long as you're able to show that the money you're giving isn't a, a sort of a sort of big part of your wealth it's just regularly what you use to, to live from um, the taxman will apparently be fine with that um, now for CGT there's there's some complicated ways but ISAs obviously are a key shelter from CGT anything that you hold in an ISA will not be um, 
uh, taxed on on the capital gains. That's true inside pensions as well. Although um, pensions can potentially uh, you've got to pay income tax on withdrawals from pensions, don't you? So it's not quite the same. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And there are and, and there are other there are other ways in which you can um, shelter your your assets from from CGT, uh, and some of them are more complicated than others. I mean, there are you know venture capital trusts and uh, enterprise investment schemes. Yes. I mean, they 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 are a bit more complex, and they do incur or involve. Um, you know, significant investment risk because the types of companies that you're investing in are young, unproven companies. And, you know, you have to accept, you know, the the, the quid pro quo for having these um, tax benefits is you might you might lose. Your yeah. Money. And I, I was going to just mention about that because it's sort of outside of our scope and our normal sort of frame of reference um, here on the pod. But those schemes where the government has given a tax break, um, you know, you speak to any sort of, you know, uh, respectable tax advisor or financial advisor they will say you shouldn't really make investments for the tax break it mm. should be it should be for the investment purposes and they need to be suitable investments for you and as you've said these are pretty risky spicy early stage company investments that can go wrong um, and that's just the way it is so it, it, it's not necessarily a good idea to invest just for the tax break albeit lots of people will be interested in them because of the tax break. Yes, and I don't think that's why people invest in these early stage companies. They do it because they they anticipate that some of them will really pay off in a big way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and obviously the, the government is encouraging investment in those early stage companies because it's good for the economy uh, that those young companies are given the opportunity to, to, to grow. Uh, so it's reasonable that there should be tax breaks for that. But there are other ways which are less complicated. I mean, government bonds, for example, pay you are not liable for uh, capital gains um, tax if they're held to maturity. Um, uh, as with IHT, married couples can, can transfer assets um, uh, tax tax free. Um, you know, you can spread a capital gain over two tax years. You know, if you yeah. sell half the assets on the 5th of April and half on the 6th of April, then effectively you're, you're, you're splitting the gains. So there are a number of, a, a number of different ways that people can look at that. And I think the, I, I guess the takeaway from this is that both IHT and CGT are pretty complicated. If they you are, think that they're yeah. like, you know, that you're li likely to be caught by them, then it's a pretty good reason to take some financial advice, I'd say. Okay, some wise words there to end it, Tom. That is all the time we have for now. Thanks for joining me. Thanks. Please note that the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. Investors should note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to one of Fidelity's advisors or an authorised financial advisor of your choice. Overseas investments will be affected by movements in currency exchange rates and investments in emerging markets can be more volatile volatile than other more developed markets. Reference to the specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Tax treatment depends on individual circumstances and all tax rules may change in the future. Withdrawals from a pension product may not be possible until you reach age 55, 57 from 2028. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. No statements or representations made in this podcast 
podcasts are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. This podcast is meant only for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or a solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation.